Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me. And today, I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Almost every day, I watch planes fly back and forth, leaving trails of white lines behind them. Many times, days that start out sunny soon become hazy due to all of the trails. Are these planes on a new and bizarre flight pattern, simply leaving water vapors behind them? Or is it chemtrails, trails of chemicals being emitted from these planes? At an international symposium held in Ghent, Belgium, a few years back, scientists asserted that, quote, manipulation of climate through modification of cirrus clouds is neither a hoax nor a conspiracy theory, unquote. It is fully operational with a solid 60-year history. The military-industrial complex stands poised to capitalize on controlling the world's weather. Going under a variety of names, atmospheric geoengineering, weather modification, chemical buffering, cloud seeding, toxic aerial spraying is popularly known as chemtrail, and this is a technique employed to modify weather. Now, the only conspiracy surrounding geoengineering is that most governments and industries refuse to publicly admit what anyone with eyes can see. It's obvious that peer-reviewed research is available to anyone willing to take the time to wade through all of the scientific journals. So while there is some disclosure on the topic, full public explanation is seriously lacking. So why should you care? Well, besides organizations, governments, and industry being arrogant enough to think that they have the right to alter nature? I ask, what are the health ramifications? How long can mankind exist while breathing, eating, and living in this toxic soup? I mean, it's clear that spraying the skies with heavy metals is going to backfire because who are we, or who are they, to mess with nature? <sighs> well, I'm going to stop here because I have a special guest with us today who is going to help make some sense of this. Today's guest is Russ Tanner, founder of Global Skywatch, an organization raising awareness about the many dangers of geoengineering. He's been interviewed on numerous radio and internet programs and has published articles and given lectures on the dangers of amalgam fillings, mercury toxicity, geoengineering related illnesses, and geopolitics. So with that, welcome to the show, Russ. Hi, Pat. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So much to talk about, but... Give us a quick chemtrails for dummies version, or what does the word mean, and, and how long has this been going on? Uh, the word chemtrail is short for chemical trail, and if you look up in the sky, it is those trails that you see coming out of jets. It uh, has been going on for decades. It has become increasingly apparent and clear in the sky that this has been concentrated uh, from the late 90s uh, and continued to appear in more and more cities to the point now where it's just about everywhere. And that's, uh, that's what chemtrails are. So now what's in these chemtrails? 
The idea of chemtrails uh, came about by the public who's learned about them from patents and from the talk in conferences that has been, have been going on around the world in conferences that are called geoengineering conferences. And this is where scientists get together and they study techniques for combating climate change. And one of the theories for combating this is by spraying pollution particles into the atmosphere or metallic particles to reflect the sunlight away from the Earth. Now, this is one of the theories. This is one of the uh, techniques that they wanted to use to uh, combat this. And so what we're seeing now mimics what we're seeing in the patents for this uh, process of geoengineering. We're seeing in tests around the United States and in Europe, uh, many people are testing rainwater. I myself tested rainwater. And to answer your question, what's in it, we're finding all kinds of things in the rainwater that are not supposed to be there that correlate with the spraying of these particulates, including aluminum, barium, strontium. Uh, some people are finding mercury and other uh, toxic metals that really should uh, raise people's eyebrows. So this is being found in rainwater and in soil testing and in dust collections from air filter equipment and it's being found way out of proportion. The test that I did in uh, Maine, near Bangor, Maine, showed aluminum in the water at 600 parts per billion, which is five times higher than that which is allowed in drinking water by the EPA. And in uh, California, there are places where it's over 100 times above the EPA limits that's allowed in drinking water. Very, very high amounts of aluminum. Mm -hmm. So what is that doing to the soil as well? Well, this is a very big problem because not only is, does, is it destroying animal life, we've had numerous animal die-offs for those who have been paying attention over the past uh, decade, just unexplained. Nobody really knows what the problem is and what the cause is. Um, but what it's doing to the soil is it's raising the acidity of the soil. It changes the pH of the soil, and it causes lower production in crops. It causes the root systems to shrink up because plants basically try to protect themselves from aluminum by limiting their uptake from the soils. Now, there is aluminum in soil naturally, right. earth, earth crust, but it's bound and it's not free for uptake by plants, and it's in a form called bauxite, which is why the, comp the process for mining aluminum is very complicated and, and, and difficult because it's bound up. But this aluminum we're finding is freely available and is affecting and stunting the root systems in plants and limiting uh, their, uh, their productivity. And they're probably not nutritionally as sound as they would be otherwise, and so we just perpetuate that problem when we eat the plants and the animals that are grazing and, and growing in that soil, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, aluminum, uh, aluminum is very toxic to all life. You know, there is no biologically necessary function in humans or in plants, in any mammals, for aluminum. It actually uh, is an immune suppressant. It's a neurological toxin. It's been associated with Alzheimer's disease. It's been... All, uh, with uh, thyroid issues, fatigue, joint issues, and uh, all kinds of deranged mineral transport issues in, in humans. Well, I think the next obvious logical question is, why are these being sprayed and who is doing the spraying? There is no open admission. The governments all, des uh, all deny that it's taking place. Yet in Bangor, I would see literally a jet every two minutes so it's a massive operation, and I have reports from people all over the world. I'm, I'm kind of a nexus for people who contact me about this and, and uh, post on uh, my website and on my forum and in my Facebook group. 
It's happening all over the United States and all over Western Europe. And what this tells us is that it's a huge coordinated government uh, effort because who else would have access to the airspace? Right. So it must be a government-sponsored operation or military operation. And it's obviously just huge because it's coinciding with all of the geoengineering conferences that have been going on for the last 10 years um, all over the world. The best guess that we have is that it is, uh, at least in part, for engineering the atmosphere to reflect sunlight. So the politically correct answer is to combat global warming? That is the politically correct answer, yes. I believe that there are multiple uh, causes that you can always go down that rabbit hole, and, and uh, there's, there's, it gets very, very compelling and very, very interesting the deeper you look. But uh, on the surface, that seems to be the official answer that's not yet being given to us, but it's being inferred by the scientific community and, and the government. Okay. Well, I am going to take us somewhere, a little sidestep here, because just about a half hour ago, I received an email from one of our listeners who knew that you were going to be on the show. And I, I want to read to you and to our listeners what his answer is. He says, atmospheric control programs are clearly an insanity at a functional social level. The discussion should be 100% focused on direct remediation efforts, not speculations as to the motives involved. Then he says, these are massively funded extermination programs controlled by insurance, banking, and geopolitical control groups operating through the United Nations. Geoengineering and weather manipulation projects are, in fact, an essential part of the United Nations Agenda 21 and are often directly sponsored by NASA. These programs are designed to impair any possibility of a national, regional, or populist resistance. Many populations will soon become too ill to protest effectively. The program objective involves complete and total control over the entire planet. It is not a religious experiment. It is an experiment in insanity, and no one will live to tell the story. I wasn't going to share that, but it just, <laughs> as, <laughs> as we're speaking, I thought, well, what do you uh -huh. say to that? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I can't, uh, I can't say that I completely disagree with any of that. When you dig deeper into the people who are funding this and what their philosophies are, there are things that are pretty shocking to realize that people in the United States and in the United Nations do have population control agendas, eugenics agendas, very strong. Eric Holder, the science czar, has very strong population uh, control beliefs, uh, even to the point of saying it should be done without, without public knowledge. So when you look at the results of a program like this, you can't say the scientists are ignorant of what the results are going to be. You can't say we're going to drop 30 million tons of nanoparticle or small particle aluminum on the population without knowing that it's going to shorten lifespans dramatically and it's going to cause tremendous illness, respiratory issues, suppressed immune system, opportunistic infections, neurological disease. That is what is going to happen, and any scientist would know that. So it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to that I could disagree with uh, with most of what was written in that email. Okay, all right. I want to dangle that out there for for folks that are listening. We're not going to go into that today. So let's hit some of the other high points. I've had folks wondering: Do commercial airlines that carry passengers are they spraying too? Well, there is uh, some speculation that some commercial airlines are spraying or involved in the process. I don't know that for sure. In my own observations, I've observed the sky all my life. I've always been into the technology involved in flying, and I've lived in the most busy airspaces in the world. And I can tell you that the type of engines that are used on all large jets, which are, include the military jets and commercial jets, are called high-bypass turbofans. 
And high bypass turbofans do not create trails, not long trails, not short trails, unless they're water injection, which are very rare. There are water injection uh, engines like the CFM Spay 512, which are used on the BAC-111s, for those of you who know anything about jets and planes. But those there's only about 50 of those in operation and mostly in Europe. I've never seen a trail come out of a jet. Most people rarely, if ever, have, and that's because they don't produce those. So it is happening over the populated areas, and these jets should not be producing trails to begin with. So just on a side note, I would implore people, if you look up and you see uh, – airliners, uh, whether they're, they look like airliners or, or most of the ones that I see are, are blank, just silver, unmarked jets. I mean, in fact, that's all I've ever seen, except in the very beginning, I did see ones with red engines and a red tail, but I couldn't see any markings, but they flew very, very low. But there are a few people who've reported seeing jets that look like airliners, uh, commercial airliners. Interesting, interesting. And now I think that people are starting to catch wind of this. They're probably flying at higher altitudes so that, that maybe the trails aren't as noticeable. That is exactly right. In fact, I saw that happen three times. I lived in Jamestown, New York. I moved to Bangor, Maine, and now I live in Philadelphia. And in each place, I saw where they changed overnight. They changed the spraying from very low altitude to high altitude spraying overnight. When I first moved here about seven months ago, every single day it looked like a war zone in the sky, absolute war zone. And I wonder why are people not noticing this? Yeah. I know I've never seen anything like this. Uh, before this spring started. And uh, so all of a sudden, all the trails you can see are so high and so short that you can hardly even see them. So dramatic change in three instances. So it looks like it's trying to be kept from the public eye. Very, very interesting. Now, as they're spraying, eventually it makes its way through the atmosphere and settles on the ground. If we're standing outside and we see these planes flying overhead, are we immediately being misted by that? Or how long does it take for the vapors to actually hit the ground or perhaps hit us? Well, very good question. Um, There are some people, about 1% or 2% of the population, have a a very uh, accentuated sense of taste and smell. And that is how I became aware of this, besides being an avid sky watcher, because I do taste and smell it. I'm one of the lucky... 2%. And let me tell you, it tastes like metal. It tastes like aluminum dust. And sometimes it tastes like acetone. Some people report smelling like paint, which is somewhat of an acetone flavor. And I've paid attention to how long it takes to descend. And if when they originally, when they were flying at the very low altitudes, it was only about 30 or 40 minutes before I would start to smell and taste it when they would start the spraying program each day. Um, Now that they're at higher altitudes, it seems to me it takes anywhere from an hour to two and a half hours to reach the ground. In some cases, I believe it stays aloft even longer than that. Now, you are witnessing yourself some of the, the effects of this as far as a metal, like say a metallic taste in your mouth. Are there other health symptoms that you're experiencing or that people that are sensitive to this would experience? Absolutely. There are a lot of symptoms that people are experiencing. Most of them, you know, let me just go for the big ones right off the bat. There's been a dramatic rise in aneurysms, strokes, heart attacks, and cancer. And this is what I've witnessed to the point where people contact me who don't know about the spraying. They go, my God, my God, what is going on? Why are so many people sick? Well, uh, small particle aluminum clogs up your capillaries and leads to aneurysms and strokes. I have a friend who works for the state, and uh, they had three aneurysms in their office during a very, very heavy spray day within an hour of each other, three. We've also had instances in Texas where they had something like 70-plus transformers short out that were on the poles, they started arcing and shorting out. And this is what happens when you put too much metal in the air and it becomes very conductive. You know, of course, you cause cancer. Of course, and we, in science, every scientist knows that 
the more particulates you breathe in and the smaller the particulates are, the shorter your lifespan will be. And most people experience, you know, fatigue, headache, sinus pain, muscle pain, joint pain, cracking joints, depression, even panic attacks, anxiety, hyperactivity, insomnia, even tooth decay because aluminum uh, blocks calcium metabolism, anxiety, irritability issues, concentration issues, swelling, inflammation, heart pain, lung pain, ringing in the ears, changing in the, changes in eyesight over time, and the list goes on and on because these are very toxic substances, obviously. You know, what's rough about that list is that it mimics so many other horrible things that are going on, such as the radiation from cell towers and smartphones, and, and you know, that sounds like the same list of symptoms that we talk about there. And that made interesting connect the dots moment it's been proven that just a few minutes of holding a cell phone to your ear causes breaks in the blood-brain barrier, which then would create an increased access for toxins such as mercury and aluminum from these chemtrails to enter the brain, thus causing health problems and disease. Absolutely. I mean, in fact, that's an incredibly uh, valid point. At the, uh, the National Institutes for Health website, there's actually a study that shows that when people are exposed to RF radiation, like from a cell phone or from uh, cell towers or other RF radiation, it dramatically not only increases the permeability of the blood-brain barrier, as you mentioned, but it also increases the permeability of cell walls. So there were even military experiments decades ago that tested the concept of killing a population with very, very low levels of contaminants, but uh, combining those contaminants with RF radiation that made cell walls so permeable that otherwise benign toxin uh, levels became fatal. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is a very valid and very important point that it does increase uh, the permeability of both the blood-brain barrier and cell walls. And, you know, if you're really thinking that depopulation is the end game here, what a great way to do this. How can you point a finger at anything? Well, that's extremely true. And, I mean, there are people like Henry Frederick Osborne who were powerful or at least very influential in government back in the 30s and was a eugenicist. He was actually appointed to positions in government by Roosevelt. And people don't know this part of history, unfortunately. And he made a statement saying that eugenics goals will most likely be accomplished secretly and by uh, telling the public that it is being done by other means than eugenics. So, the, again, the deeper you look down this rabbit hole, the more interesting it gets, especially when you look at pe people who are in government in powerful positions, what they believe. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it gets very, very interesting very quickly. Absolutely. And, and today's goal is to touch that surface and, and kind of excite people to do a little bit more research. And I'm sure that people are asking the question in their minds, is this legal? And you've got an excellent page on your website that goes there. So I really encourage folks to look that up. But help us briefly with that. Absolutely. Uh, very interestingly, I do have a page on, the, on our website that talks about public law 105-85. I encourage people to look it up. Uh, this is called the use of human subjects for testing of chemical or biological agents. And basically what this law says is the government cannot test anything on the public unless, and here I quote, unless it's for any peaceful purpose related to medical, therapeutic, pharmaceutical, agricultural, industrial, or research activity, or any purpose directly related to protection against toxic chemicals, biological weapons, and agents, or any law enforcement purpose related to riot control. So basically you say we can't test anything on the public unless it's for any reason we want. Right. 
That's what the law says, and I encourage people to look up Public Law 105-85 from November 18, 1997. You can't do it, but here's the places you can do it, and there's nothing left out. Exactly, exactly. It's just it's incredible, incredible irony. People don't know that laws like this exist in the United States. Mm-hmm. And then tell us about the consent portion of that. Here's how consent works, is that in this law it says uh, informed consent is required. So the Secretary of Defense may conduct or test an experiment on the, uh, on the public, but informed consent must be obtained. The problem is, is that, and most people and lawyers look at this and say, oh, well, informed consent, that means we would all know. Um, it doesn't mean we would all know because this law falls under the purview of commerce law, the Uniform Commercial Code law. And that is completely different because informed consent under the UCC means that as long as we publish the law in a place that's accessible to the public, then you've been informed. So it's a completely different mentality. This law is publicly available for people, so therefore it considers the public as consenting to the testing. Right. They're saying, we've given you your due notice, and since you didn't speak up and say anything about it, that was your silent consent. Exactly, which is why when you go to court, they say ignorance of the law is no excuse. Uh You're responsible to know the, you know, five billion pages of law that that exist in the world today or in in your country. All right, so now that we know that that law is there, what can we really do about it? So as an individual person, what can we do to deny consent? We have to have denied consent on a mass scale. There needs to be a mass uh, awareness of what is going on because without the proper numbers of people, we're not going to have the political clout that we need to get the uh, politicians to be uh, responsive to this issue. So the number one thing to do right now is wake up your neighbor, look at the testing, visit our websites. There's several websites you can go to to get detailed information, soil tests, do your own rainwater tests because they're coming up high in aluminum all over the place. That's the first thing. The second thing is you can file a notice of non-consent with your local government, and eventually when we get enough of those filed, we can go to court, demand that the spring stops, and take it from there. Of course, they deny that the spraying is taking place at the moment, which makes it rather difficult. But nevertheless, waking up the public is our first step right now. And this is at your website, this information? It's globalskywatch.com. All right. The bottom line is, is that the deeper you look at the subject, the more you turn up, the more you realize that people in high places of government have belief systems that if you would know how they look at the public and view the public and the contempt they have for the population, they never should be in the positions that they're in. So this subject goes very, very deep. I encourage people to do their research, learn on their own, and and, and uh, please wake up your friends and neighbors about this before too many people get sick, too Absolutely. many more people get sick or die from it. Absolutely. We're only touching the outermost points of this topic, so I encourage everyone listening to visit Russ's website, globalskywatch.com. And check out BoilTheFrogRadio.com. We'll have a full 52-minute interview with Russ on that website as well. Russ, thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. You're welcome. My pleasure, Pat. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This year has been trying and full of stress, to say the least. People need help to get a good night's sleep, need ways to cope with anxiety, want healthful ways to support their immune system. 
I have an organic line of essential oil blends that can help. These are not off the shelf from multi-level marketing companies. I have personally sourced only organic essential oils, have taken classes and studied plants, their healing components, essential oils, and blending for years now as a way to help myself and others to find natural ways of coping and healing. I use them every day, and I haven't been sick in years, sleep like a baby at night, and despite all the madness we've lived through this year, still maintain positivity and energy. I have personally formulated and blended some of the following. Hospital Helper to help keep MRSA at bay. An organic bug spray. Melt Rollerball for anxiety. A snooze Rollerball for sleep. Five Protectors Rollerball, one of my favorites for immune boost and protection. Feeling no pain for headaches, muscle and neck pain. Nerve pain relief for shingles, diabetes, and arthritis as well as many, many more, plus my essential oils book that really explains a lot about essential oils. Visit my website, zappenzen.com, Z-A-P-N-Z-E-N.com, zap, N, the letter N, zen.com, zappenzen.com, zappenzen.com. If you need a way to reboot, rewind in an organic and natural and healthy way, please visit zappenzen.com. I use them every day. They help me, and I know they will help you. zappenzen.com. If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com. Or you can call Pat at 440-725-5462. Until next week, remember, you have to speak up and stay alive.